Exacto. Ladies and gentlemen, we Tonight, we are going to witness the most anticipated match in the history of professional wrestling. And this is the main event of the evening. Please welcome your host for today. Jason is here. Dude, I, I swear to God, I'm not as big an asshole as it sounds like. And Troy is here. Hey. I call them like I see them, all right? Look at it this way. It's the first thing we've done together as a team. I grab my dick, you grab your dick, you work my arm, I work your arm. Same time. Same time. It's like jerking off together, but not gay. We're not touching dicks. Each other's dicks, anyway. I'm touching my own dick. You're working it, and I'm loving it. Well, enough is enough, and it's time for... The Rundown. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen. To a gigantically packed episode of the Rundown Wrestling Podcast. It is episode 331. I am one of your co hosts, Troy. With me, as always, the host of the Rundown Sit Down and co host extraordinaire, Jason, is here. And man, we have a ton of shit to get to this week. That's right. We are going to start things off with a little bit of a review. So, this weekend, uh, as as WWE is wont to do with their big four, maybe big five pay-per-views, they stack it up with a takeover on Saturday as well. And this takeover definitely delivered. Yeah, it was uh, funny. So- this was one of those ones that I don't think had a ton of the hype going into it. The build was sort of quick. Um, but, yeah, they, they, they nailed this one. Yeah, for sure. Uh, NXT TakeOver Philly, one of the, one of the rare takeovers that... Um, actually, we felt a lot of the matches could go either way, so much so that we split on two of them. Yeah. Um, so let's start things off with the NXT Take Team Championship matches. The Undisputed Era were able to retain against the Authors of Pain. Yeah, and this was the one to me that sort of stood out as the one I enjoyed probably the least on this show, and I'm a fan of O'Reilly and Fish. I just sort of, maybe it's just me, but I sort of felt like this was just a little sloppy. Everything seemed sort of a step slow. Guys were waiting for other guys to get into the right spot for their moves, and there was stumbling, and it just seemed like there was a lot of stuff that went wrong in this match. It was perfectly okay, uh, but considering the, the standards we've set at takeovers for the tag team titles with the Revival and Alpha and et cetera, et cetera, this one seemed just a little underwhelming to me, but all in all, solid, I guess. Yeah. I also, you know, I, I would chalk that up a little bit to the fact that, you know, uh, Red Dragon are still sort of adapting to the WWE style and putting up against, you know, kind of essentially rookies in the Authors of Pain. Maybe not the, the best choice for their first kind of major feud, but um, – the match match delivered what what we needed to do. We were able to get the undisputed era over. Mm-hmm. Uh, Authors of Pain obviously seemed to look like they're probably on their way up to the main roster. Yep. Um, and that seemed seemed like their kind of farewell send off is hey we're gonna we're gonna go out on our backs. Yep. And uh, and I did I will say this I did enjoy that they sort of told the story of the knee all the way through and then, and then that played into the end. So I thought that was at least well done. Oh yeah yeah. Uh, I mean, uh, we can say it for everyone of these matches, you know, the booking uh, are, is so phenomenally strong at NXT. Um, a lot of attention to detail that we don't get all the time on the main roster. 
Uh, we'll talk about Sasha Banks and her uh, inability to kick people properly a little bit later on the line. Uh, but the next match we had was Cassius Ono against the Velveteen Team Dream. And I can tell you that his name is Cassius because on NXT Revisited, it's now become a running joke that people mispronounce his name. But it is Cassius Ono. We both picked the Velveteen Dream on this one, and Velveteen Dream did in fact go over yet again submitting himself as a future star of NXT. Absolutely, and, and we're going to start calling him Cassius Check because uh, he's a pin me pay me guy at this point. I think. Um, first off, I thought I found it hilarious that they're in Philly and Cassius Ono decided to come out in Steelers colors, wearing the black and gold. That was sort of strange to me as the face. That was more of a heel tactic, I would think. Um, Velveteen Dream's entrance was great, very Rocky-esque. I love the fact that, and I don't know if they played the pre-show clip on the big screen for the fans to see at some point, but uh, pre-show Velveteen Dream during an interview with Christy St. whatever the hell her name is, um, or one of the other robot interviewers um, of the day, I don't know, uh, made a claim that he was going to knock out Cassius Ono in 30 seconds or less. The crowd had to have seen it. It had to have been displayed because as soon as the bell rang, they started that 30-second count, and just the atmosphere for that match from then on was just off the charts. For sure, for sure. And not enough can be said about the fact that, you know, Velveteen Dream is 22 yeah. and began training to be a wrestler in 2015. Yeah. And he's able to put on not only these great matches, but also tell a great story in the match. Yeah. You know, we, we continue to have this kind of, uh, you know, evolution of his character and he's, he's perfectly suited for this, this character that he created for himself. Absolutely. And if, if you're going to pick apart a small little thing, perhaps where they put the match together, there were a couple spots where it looked like uh, Velveteen was supposed to catch Cassius, but I mean, Velveteen's not a powerhouse, uh, and he had a little struggle with with some of those spots where he was supposed to sort of catch him in midair. Uh, obviously, Ono with a significant weight advantage, uh, and and those were a little bit. Eh. But other than that, I mean, I mean, everything in this match was great. They told the story. The near falls were great. The falses were great. Uh, the I love the purple rainmaker elbow, not off the top rope, instead climbing to the top of the post. Mm-hmm. Um, everything this guy does is, right now is just magic. So he he's got a huge huge future ahead of him, for sure, for sure. And he has something in in common with Cassisono. Both him and Ono can't seem to handle Ono's weight. So <laughs> <laughs> I am interested to see if the uh, the woman they seem to put a little focus on the woman that was used during his entrance. I wonder if she's going to become a recurring character. Um, I think they're doing tapings either tonight or tomorrow. So I guess we'll get a clearer picture on that soon. Yeah, and um, I don't think that he necessarily needs to have a valet, um, but if, if you know, at, at this point, you kind of have to go with, well, it's been working so far, so let's let's see what else they got. Yeah. Uh, speaking of women, we were moved right along to the NXT Women's Championship, where me and you had a little split here. Yes. Uh, I went with Ember Moon retaining. You went with Shayna Baszler uh, getting a championship. Baszler. I'm not going to stop going with that. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, a, a match that for sure put over over Baszler, despite the fact that she that, that she lost, uh, she did a hell of amount of damage to Ember Moon, so much so that they, they had she, Ember Moon had to sell it in the Rumble as well. Yeah. Uh, you know, getting put in the armbar a couple of times and and just getting wrecked. 
But Ember Moon does retain. Uh, this was her first title defense, correct? Uh, first, at least, certainly the first takeover title defense. First she may takeover have, She may have defense. had one on NXT TV. I don't remember. Yeah, and, and you had you had made the point, you know, when when we were picking these that you know that they have had not had a had a problem with having title change hands back to back takeovers. Right. Um, but for sure, you know, Shayna can continue to to go with this feud here because she lost, but she lost in in such a way that. It, it was close, and it, it makes it so that she can turn around and say, ah, you, you may have beaten me then, but, you know, I'm still here. And Ember Moon got 15 title chances before she finally won the championship belt. Right. So so this one, I'm of two schools of thought, because first off, I thought the match was fantastic. I thought the girls worked their asses off. I thought they told a great story. I thought Ember's selling was really top-notch uh, to the point where at one point she was literally, like, clawing at Shayna's arm just trying to find a way to get her to release the hold uh all that stuff was great the girls were were at their peak i mean this was an amazing amazing match uh on a lot of cards this would have been the best match on the card uh we're going to get into a couple reasons following this why this (laughs) wasn't the top match on the card um but it was really 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 good my only complaint my only criticism here sort of goes back to what you were talking about I said originally I wasn't a fan of what they did to put the title on Ember Moon because she sort of got the title by default of, you know, she she lost to Asuka and lost to Asuka. Then Asuka left, and so, okay, now you've got the title because Asuka's not here anymore. Sort of made her title win seem almost flukish. And then I thought, in this case, if you're going to have her keep the belt, have her have a strong defense. Instead, she sort of fluked her way into a victory here. I don't think they've done anything to make her a strong, credible champion yet. Um, I would kind of have to agree with you on that one, too. Um, you know, they, they put her against somebody that obviously was going to also needed to put on a good show. If they would have had her go against one of the iconic girls or, or even Nikki Cross, they probably would have put on a good match and Ember probably would have won decisively. And that might have helped her a little bit more than having you know, Shayna go against her right off the bat like that. Right. Um, and also kind of kind of propelling Shayna to the championship match uh, as her first feud yep. is a little bit, you know, like, you know, because if she won it, you're like, okay, well, she just got fast-tracked into it. And now that she lost it, you go, okay, well, is this just going to be a case of they're, they're just having her kind of kick around here for a little bit until they bring her up to the main roster and they have no plans for an NXT? Or... Are we going to have a sustained arc with her? You know that would eventually lead to her winning the championship down the line. Yeah, and they've they've definitely left an opening for this thing to continue. I imagine it's going to. It'll probably be again at our next takeover. Uh, my big question after this card, and then after seeing how the women's rumble played out, I have no idea why they can why they hate the iconic girls because yeah, it just <clears throat> to not utilize what they can bring to the product just sort of blows my mind. But that's another topic for another day. Yeah. Um, so I said that that would have been the best match on most cards, but not on this one because it was immediately followed Ugh. by an outstanding Extreme Rules match between Alistair Black and Adam Cole. And this is another one where we. Uh, uh, uh. Bebe. Uh, this is another one where we split. You would you would. 
picked Alistair, I sort of went with the logic that Alistair had already pinned Adam Cole clean, so they would give Adam Cole sort of the 50-50 booking, get his win back. Uh, you were correct on this one, and Alistair Black won, but I think the real winners were all of us that got to see this. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's it's so tough to say at this point that Alistair is not the top worker on NXT. You know, I mean, yes, you can Oh, say, I, I don't know about that. We'll talk about a couple yeah. other guys in a minute. Yeah, well, that that's the thing. I mean, there's so much talent down here, and this guy continues to kill it match after match. Um, yes, he's he's getting put with guys who are also doing a phenomenal job. Mm-hmm. Um, he's definitely not carrying any of his guys, but he is putting on just a great show on each one. And with the Extreme Rules, we got to see these two guys beat the living hell out of each other. Yeah, and, and obviously the table spot was great, but that table spot, as great as it is visually, is a fairly safe bump. I mean, I say that as somebody who's never gone through a table, but on the scale of dangerous bumps, it's it's certainly a relatively safe one. Um, at some point, I believe it was the, during the trash can spot, Adam Cole just sliced the shit out of his hand or his thumb oh, or something yeah. like that to the point where he was just gushing blood from his hand. Uh, it stained the ladder that they had set up in the corner, which was a great visual, but you had to certainly be a little bit concerned for because uh, you know, it's very easy to pick up staph infection or any type of infection when you get that kind of cut in a wrestling ring, especially extreme rules when you talk about using foreign objects, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but let's let's take a second and talk about the spot in this match that literally made me jump out of my chair and scream, oh, fuck. Uh we see all the time guys use tables. We see guys powerbomb each other through chairs, uh, set up chairs opposite each other and powerbomb each other through the center. All those, for those of you laymen's at home, are, again, relatively safe bumps. There's a lot of give to those chairs when you powerbomb them through it because they just sort of bend and go through. It still hurts, don't get me wrong, but it's it, it hurts in a way that's sort of safe. Um, what we saw in this match was... Not necessarily the safest move. Um, as the chairs were put back to back, so the stiff backrests of the chairs were side by side together. Um, and then someone took a Death Valley driver on top of them. Yeah, you know. <laughs> a human were... being's back hit those <sighs> things, and it was it, the way they were situated, it was. They, they definitely hit the back before his feet got to plant. Like, this was not a safe move, and Adam Cole's back could have very easily been broken. Yeah, it, it reminded me a lot of some of the spots that Kevin Owens has done in his, his various ladder matches and stuff like that. The, mm, yeah. Obviously, remember, remember the Money in the Bank where he was just folded in half over the back yeah. of the ladder? Or just you go know, back to his Full Metal Mayhem. Uh, it's, it's, no, what is it? I forget what they called it. In Ring, ladder Wars in Ring of Honor with uh, yeah. El Generico. Yeah. It's it's a lot of stuff that we don't see that much anymore because even the Extreme Rules matches obviously are very safe matches right. uh, for obvious reasons. We don't want to see the guys get hurt and everything like that. Yeah. But yeah, that this was a big spot that, I mean, a lot of room for error on this one as well. But thankfully it appears that both guys came out of this match just fine. Yeah, and uh, they both came out having, I think, elevated their stock within NXT because that was... Again, on any other night, that is the match of the show. But mm-hmm. because this was one of the best uh, full cards top to bottom, we still had another outstanding match to go. Uh, and this one was off the charts. NXT Championship, Andrade Cien Almas taking on Johnny Gargano. We had both picked 
uh, Andrade Almas. We were both correct. Uh, I had mentioned I thought we would see a spot where Candice LeRae got involved to sort of intercept Zelina Vega. We saw some of that. We both thought Tommaso Ciampa would make an appearance. He did. Um, this is already being called by many, and this is not just you know internet dirt sheet stuff. Some of the pundits are already calling this the greatest match in WWE <clears throat> history. Oh, wow. uh, putting it up there with Shawn Michaels and The Undertaker at WrestleMania 25, which, for my money, is still the greatest wrestling match I've ever seen. Um, but it's hard to argue when you watch this match back. It it's literally delivers on everything you could ask for. There was emotion. There was believability. There were scary spots. There was tremendous wrestling. There was psychology. There was outside interference. There was storytelling. This thing had everything uh, to the point where, despite the fact that we both picked Andrade almost, there were multiple times in that match I was like, oh, shit, they're going with Gargano. Mm-hmm. Um, this, this, this scary spot there with the, the head to the post on the double knees on the outside. A um, little surprised they sort of did a concussion-type angle with somebody uh, just because of all the bad press that they've gotten for concussion stuff lately and a concussion lawsuit going on. Uh, but yeah, I, I can't. I could sit here and talk about this match for the next hour and a half. I was absolutely blown away by what these two guys did, uh, and and I maybe didn't see necessarily these two guys as the top workers in NXT when you run through the list of names that we talk about on a regular basis. But after this night, they're absolutely right there for me. Well, you got to look at it as you got a guy who they kind of dumped into the tag team division because they didn't have anything to do with him, and he wound up making the most of that opportunity. And you wound up taking a guy that a lot of people were saying they need to be done with Andrade Cien almost. They need to fire him or do something with him. Mm-hmm. And they turned around and completely rehabbed him. And, and he's become the focal point of NXT. But they're having that we went from a kind of a time where when Shinsuke was on top in NXT, there wasn't that much else underneath him. And now we're to a point where we're like, we have like five or six guys that at any point in time can be thrown right in that you can throw the NXT championship on and they're believable. Incredible. You know? And we're yeah. adding more on a, on a daily yeah. basis, it seems. Right. Yeah. So, you know, yes, almost as a champion, but considering that black and Cole both had, you know, their match, those two guys obviously are just a snip away from the NXT championship. Velveteen dream is making, is raising his stack as well. Uh, obviously it looks like Gargano and Ciampa are going to continue their feud. So, this was a way to kind of spin Gargano off of the NXT Championship hunt and, you know, get these two guys in the feud that we were hoping we were going to see before Ciampa, Ciampa got hurt. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, so I would think, obviously, you know, almost it's starting to look like Aleister Black's going to be his his next uh, next opponent there. Yeah. But again, I mean, Velveteen Dream could easily take that spot before him, so... Well, our uh, next our next takeover is the WrestleMania one, so I, I think you want to go big at that and you want to sort of put Black in that spot... I don't necessarily think it's a foregone conclusion Black wins that title like a lot of people do, but we got a lot of time to discuss that if the match is actually made. One of the interesting things that sort of ran through my head, and you mentioned him as a title contender, but let's assume for the sake of this discussion, Aleister Black is in fact the guy to go up against Andrade Almas at the next takeover. What do you do with the Velveteen Dream? Because you've got to sort of raise him up, and I'm trying to think of who he could have that. I think we're all kind of of the mind that Gargano and Ciampa is, is what they've got lined up for WrestleMania TakeOver. They've got Cien Almas and, and probably Aleister Black. I don't know what they're going to do with Adam Cole. Um, 
possibly, I, well, we'll talk about possibilities for him later. But Velveteen Dream's a heel, and I'm trying to think of who is of that caliber at the face side that could work with him. And one interesting possibility for me was a guy we sort of saw in the crowd, because I think Ricochet and Velveteen Dream could be something special. Uh, they very well could be, but you know, you, you do kind of worry about putting, whenever you've got a new debuting guy, you don't want to have him lose, and you definitely don't really want to slow down Velveteen Dream's you know, momentum at this point by by you know having him lose a, a big match. Now, obviously, I don't think it would hurt him all that much because obviously, uh, you know, the last takeover he he did lose. But um, well, yeah, I, yes and it, no. I mean, we're talking about a card here where you look at both. I, I would make a case that Shayna Baszler, Adam Cole, and Johnny Gargano were all elevated in losses mm-hmm. at this event. Very much so. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, obviously. You know, you you brought it up. We we did see Ricochet in the crowd. We also saw EC3, EC Space 3. That was definitely uh, the biggest surprise. I, I think we talked about all the other signings, uh, the War Machine, Candice LeRae. We knew LeRae would be there because of Gargano. Uh, but, yeah, EC3 was definitely the surprise. We knew he had signed with the company. Uh, I think a lot of speculation was that he could be bumped right up to the main roster. But, no, the, the return of Derek Bateman to NXT. Yeah. Um, so obviously that's another person if they decide to have him a face, you know, I could see him potentially going against Velveteen as well. If he's a heel, I think, you know, Cassius is probably the first person he'll face <laughs> up there. Um, but yeah, I mean, there's, there's, we're quickly right back into NXT being stacked. Um, yeah. which I think, you know, a couple months ago we couldn't say that and we were a little bit worried about, you know, the future of NXT. But they've quickly, you know, brought in a lot of these different guys, and again, are just right back to being an, uh, uh, a showcase for all of these these awesome future stars. Now, do you call up the authors of Pain right now, or do you sort of give them give them a couple weeks, maybe a month, let War Machine sort of make their debut, and then sort of do the new Monster Team versus the old Monster Team as sort of a passing of the torch, and then send authors of Pain up at post WrestleMania. I think you need to wait to post WrestleMania because otherwise they are going to get lost in the shuffle here. Um, this is a tough time to be called up to the main roster. Very much so because you know we there's a lot of yes there's always a lot of moving parts but I don't really see a, an instant feud for them mm-hmm. right now. I think that you need to uh, you know I think you need to have that reset after WrestleMania, have them debut on the Raw or the SmackDown after, after WrestleMania. And get right into a program there because there are so many contenders right now on on both sides of things that it makes it difficult for because obviously you've got the club and the revival are are going to hash themselves out on who's going to face the bar on the other side you've got the Bludgeon Brothers Gable and Benjamin you know uh, um, against the Usos so there's not really a place right now for the Authors of Pain until after you go through those guys right so yeah I would say that you need to wait on on calling them up. Um, same thing with the iconic girls. If they are going to call them up, mm-hmm. I think that needs to be a post WrestleMania as well. Because with the the way that the women are right now, there's there's so much focus right now, obviously on Ronda, on Asuka, that if they get called up, they're just going to be mid card, you know, and 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 there's going to be nothing for them. So we want to make sure that when we do call up these people, that they've got something for them to do. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, before we leave the world of NXT and our recap of TakeOver Philly, uh, we should probably send a shout-out to our new friends that we made this week over at the podcast What's NXT? 
Uh, we had a couple interactions with them. Seemed like a couple good dudes. Uh, enjoyed their show. Go give them a listen. Um, For sure. Absolutely. Uh, yep. And I will ask you this before we before we leave TakeOver Philly. Like I said, a lot of talk that this was the greatest TakeOver event. What are your thoughts? Is this is this now the, the new bar for TakeOvers, or is it somewhere in the middle? Um, I think it definitely was the best TakeOver 2018. <laughs> uh, for me uh, I really don't like doing that I really don't like saying this is the greatest of all time and stuff like that because it's it's so hard to compare you know uh, different things we have to remember that NXT also has eras to themselves too you know mm-hmm. and we're in a different era than when we were when we first started NXT with the Finn Balor era the yeah. Shinsuke Nakamura era you know this right now I'm I have a hard time of figuring out what to call the era because there's not one single person that right. I could really say that's the person that they're putting all the, all the money into, you know, Finn, Shinsuke, those were the kind of their big guys that they had. Um, so. Oh, I, th- I, was, I disagree. I think Alistair Black's driving this ship now. Uh, it's, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll see what they do with them, but yeah, that would seem to be what the plan is going forward. And by all accounts, I mean, definitely a deserving guy that you can, you can make the face of, of NXT for a while. Um, but I would say, you know, it definitely is, is better than my pick for NXT event of the year, okay. uh, for, for 2017. So, <clears throat> excuse me, but for the rest of them, <laughs> um, you know, it's, like I said, it's, it's hard to say, um, because of the different talent levels. I think that it definitely had, I think the most depth to it than what we've seen in the past where some other takeovers have had maybe some undercard matches that were just kind of spot fillers. Okay. And this one definitely had where everything had um, just great, great everything with it. So, and while I don't necessarily agree with the comparison of Michaels and the Undertaker, how would you rank uh, Andrade Almas and Johnny Gargano uh, up against Tyler Bate and Pete Dunne, which is sort of the gold standard from last year for a lot of people? Uh, you know, everyone everyone has their different things. Um, of, that they like about matches. Me, I'm always a big storytelling guy. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought, you know, in terms of storytelling, the story was strong, but I didn't feel as much as I did with Gagana and Champa. I didn't feel as much as I did with, you know, Sami Zayn and Cesaro. You know, some of the, the really big matches that we've seen in NXT in the past. Um, just because, you know, these guys, yes, they, they had a little bit of interaction with each other, but maybe not quite as much heat or as much story much background behind it in terms of the of the pure wrestling match i thought it was a really well put together match um but like i said it's 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 so subjective and it because of the fact that it just happened it's fresh in our minds so obviously we're going to think more highly of it um but if I would say for sure, it'd be hard to leave it off a top ten list. Yeah, very true. Uh, the only thing, and, and I didn't, hadn't even thought of this until I listened to another podcast. I forget which one. Again, I apologize. Uh, and somebody had made the the observation that the only way they could have done a better job with this would be if you know how CN Almas came out with the mariachi guys and the masks and all as part of his entrance. If one of those guys had been Tommaso Ciampa yeah, and they yeah. stayed at ringside and towards the end of the match, he pulls off the mask and then like that would have been, it, maybe they thought it was a little too hokey. I don't know. But to me, that would have been just an amazing moment. Yeah. I mean, it reminds me a little bit of, uh, you know, Dean Ambrose dressing up like a Druid and things like that, or, or 
some of the things he's done. That, you know, but we don't uh, we, get we, that stuff down in NXT typically. No, no, you definitely don't. Um, uh, the the last one I can really remember that completely shocked me was Rhino taking out Finn Balor just out of the fucking blue where yeah. one one second Balor's on camera, the next second he's gone. Yep. And you're just like, what the fuck happened to Finn Balor? <laughs> uh, so, yeah, I mean, that that would have been, been kind of cool as well. But uh, the way they did it, it still worked as well. And, you know, obviously having, having Johnny's real-life wife and new assignee Candice LeRae at ringside uh, definitely assisted that as well. To, to just, just the visual of her kind of cradling yep. Johnny at the end yeah. was a really, really good visual and really showed like this, this poor fucking guy just, yeah. <laughs> just he, leave him. He's he, already dead. Just leave him alone. Yeah. He is the new Daniel Bryan. And they made that comparison several times on the show. And I think that is a, a very apt comparison. But like I said, we could talk about that show all night. Literally. It was that good. Uh, let's go into another show and see if we thought it was on par of course, that being the Royal Rumble. Uh, so I, you know, I, I watched Royal Rumble live, which I was very happy about. Um, shout out to my buddy at work. Um, this, we'll get to it at the end, but honestly, I was I was very happy with this one. But we're going to start off with a match I wasn't very happy with. <laughs> and that's the Universal Championship match, as Brock Lesnar retained against Braun Strowman and Kane. Um I was I was very happy that we continued the trend of people realizing that triple threat matches are are no disqualification matches by default uh, because Lesnar just was like fuck this I'm grabbing a chair <laughs> right off the bat uh, there was there was a couple of of good spots and then there was a couple of really really fucking bad spots <laughs> um, uh, Braun Strowman kneeing Brock Lesnar in the head legit hurt hitting him. And then Lesnar turning around and punching Braun Strowman in the head so hard that he now hears double in one ear and can't hear in the other ear. Um, <laughs> and that that was kind of an interesting thing. I mean, you could see Brock's fist go through the side of, Bra- yeah. of Braun's head. Um, all my years working in and around the wrestling business, what I can tell you is that that was Brock Lesnar saying, slow the fuck down, calm down. Mm-hmm. Okay. I don't think there was any heat there. I think that was a little receipt. It happens all the time. Um to me, sort of the most stunning part of this match is that a Brock Lesnar match, a Braun Strowman match, was the popcorn match for the ladies. I was I was amazed at how at at, at, at we had the Raw Tag Team match was the cool down match. Yeah, and it and it featured Seth Rollins and the Bar. I mean, it 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 was so odd the the way. It, it worked. They they actually yeah. had this in a really good order, yeah. uh, the match order. But yeah, like you said, having the Universal Championship match be the the heater for the Women's Royal Rumble was a little bit bit odd, but yeah. it actually kind of worked because I think everyone knew, we both knew because we both picked it that way, that for sure Brock was going to retain and for sure Kane was going to be the one to take that pin. Right. Um, but like I said, there was... Uh, there was some really good good parts to it. I enjoyed Braun Strowman with the dropkick to, to Brock, which was great. Mm-hmm. Um, not so good moments. Kane throwing Braun into the corner table was a horrifically mistimed uh, segment there. Pretty much anything there. Kane did in this match. There was some really bad ones. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, uh, Strowman getting, getting thrown out, Brock stealing the, the win. We all kind of knew it, but... 
the match did end with Braun screaming, you know, you you didn't beat me, which right. I thought was really good. It was able to keep Braun strong. This match did exactly what it was supposed to do, and we got a little bit more out of Brock on this one. It wasn't just twenty-seven German suplexes, you know. Yep. He, you know, he used a couple different weapons. He did a couple different moves, and obviously, you know, going going toe to toe with Strowman uh, was a little bit refreshing to see, considering that Brock's matches lately have been kind of, you know, just just spawning suplex after suplex. So. Yeah, very very true, uh, and of course, Braun Strowman wasn't done. He had a busy week ahead of him. Uh, which we'll get to some of the other stuff in just a few moments. But uh, since we're ah. going, since we're going in the order <laughs> on this sheet, uh, my, whole th- my whole thing moved. <laughs> well, that's because I'm wearing a rather revealing top for those of you. That's at home. true. That's true. There, there was some movement there. It did twitch a little bit. Yeah, it definitely made it move. <laughs> uh, since we're going in sort of reverse order based on how it's written on our sheet, let's go next to our WWE Heavyweight Championship match: AJ Styles defending against the team of Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn in a handicap match as Owens and Zayn look to become the first ever uh, co-WWE champions, a gimmick that has been done in the women's division, but never in the men's division. Mm-hmm. Uh, I so I liked this match a lot. I was a little skeptical going in because of the two-on-one, but I thought the psychology was great. Early on, the Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn, anytime AJ got anything close to resembling uh, an upper hand. They went and they did the tag out. Uh, there was a great spot where AJ was denying him into the corner, and Owens just slid out of the ring, ran around the outside of the ring, slid right up into his corner, <laughs> made the tag. Yeah. Just uh, that's the that's the type of stuff that Kevin Owens does. It just really sets him apart from a lot of other people. Uh, Sami Zayn, I think, took the bulk of the heavy lifting for his team in this match. Obviously, Kevin Owens back still a bit of an issue. Um, and it, but my biggest problem was with the finish, because we had the illegal man take the pinfall, and no referee ran down. We didn't go to instant replay and restart the match, which seems to have <clears throat> been a staple on SmackDown recently. Well, you got to remember this wasn't SmackDown, so it was the a SmackDown they... Championship. <laughs> well, yeah, but it was still Royal Rumble. Rules are <laughs> rules are different in in dual branded pay per views. Okay. Uh, you know, but you know, much like much like baseball has the DH rule, uh, this was this was a, a raw home event. So <laughs> that's so that's why they had to go with raw rules, and raw okay. rules say no instant replay. They're a little except, behind. The except times. Daniel Bryan said on Tuesday, "I can't do anything." The referee's decision was final, but that's another. We, we could have that debate yeah. all day. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, Stop sense. trying to apply logic to wrestling. I know, I know. We're yeah. we're we're sorry. Vehicle <laughs> Uh Yeah. Um, obviously, you know, this was a way to keep Owens and Zayn strong and still have AJ retain um, and obviously continue to build towards a potential Owens and, and Shane McMahon feud. Sadly, uh, now it didn't happen in this match, but it did definitely happen on SmackDown that I, you know, said the thing I was worried most about was Owens and Zayn starting to have some friction. Mm-hmm. Uh, we will talk about that in, in a moment here, mm-hmm. but... Uh, let's let's try to try to get through the rest of these matches because we've got a lot to talk about in the two Rumble matches. I think that we're both going to have yeah. a lot of different things to say. So yep. um, the Raw Tag Team match was a complete fucking oddball affair. Oh, you as, know what? We didn't even fucking touch on Bobby Roode's U.S. Open Challenge. Oh yeah, we didn't even talk about the opening thing. Yeah, uh, <clears throat> opening matches we saw the cruiserweights face the cruiserweights. Nobody cared. Um, <laughs> we had Bobby Roode's. U.S. Open Challenge, where Mojo Raleigh uh, accepted, and Bobby Roode 
handily defeated the Hype Master General. Um, I think there was another match, but nobody really cared. Oh, the bar and the Revival faced off each other. Uh, Not the, the, the club. Bar, sorry. The club. The club lost to the Revival. Uh, thus making it to the rival or not getting buried as much as we thought they were. No. Um, I never thought they were. Uh, you know, there were some people who did. Yeah. Uh, I didn't, but there were some people who definitely thought that just them losing on Raw 25 yeah. was them getting buried, but they were they were in the main event, so or yeah. technically the main event, because yeah. nobody and, cared about that shit that happened at the end. Yeah, uh, and Mojo Raleigh is the reason we can't have nice things. Okay. Yeah, yeah. That was such a fucking letdown, but you know, it is what it is. Yeah, I think we've devoted enough time to the kickoff show now. Yep, there we go. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, so Seth Rollins and Jason Jordan against the bar. Uh, Seth worked the majority of this match, and uh, then uh, Cesaro grabbed Jason Jordan, slammed his head into the ring post, and Jason Jordan, because we had to double down on it, had a concussion for the match. Um, and so this this kind of turned into a comedy match. Because there was a spot where Jason Jordan tagged himself in, got into the match, stumbled around a little bit, tagged himself right back out, and then left. Um, which, he did a fine job of selling. Um, obviously, they did not, <clears throat> you know, they, they didn't want Jason to take any bumps uh, because he is dealing with a little bit of an injury. A back um, issue, I believe. A, a back issue, yep. Uh, and this was kind of a perfect way to do it while still pro- progressing the storyline between Jordan and Rollins. And then, of course, with the fact that Rollins was against two guys, uh, the bar wind up getting the win, and the, uh, they become four-time Raw Tag Team Champions. Yeah, and so this match obviously was what it was. The circumstances uh, weren't ideal for everyone involved. Uh, I will say, first off, Seth Rollins' new, trunk, new tights uh, are fucking atrocious. Um, those need they to be so bur- bad. They are so bad. <laughs> those need to be burned down. Uh, nothing Burn else. It exactly. Um, my biggest issue here was that there was zero fucking follow up to this on Raw. Uh, you would think Seth would Seth would be angry and go at Kurt or Jason Jordan or something, something to follow this up, uh, and nothing. It was just almost like it never happened. Uh, yeah. so that was sort of my biggest issue with this also i wouldn't have had uh these guys come out for the rumble if they were going to be in this match immediately following the rumble uh their entrances weren't really special when they went to make them because we had just seen them it was it was very odd because one three of the four people were in in the rumble match because jason jordan was not uh so again kind of cluing you in that something was off with jordan um, it also makes no fucking sense that Jordan would not be in the Rumble, considering who his dad is and considering Seth was in there. Uh, but yeah, like you said, we saw the other three members of this match in the Royal the Royal Rumble when you could have used those three spots for some other guys who got left off of the Royal Rumble match mm-hmm. um, that probably could have used a little bit of a shine being on there. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm with you on that, you know. It was... It was definitely kind of an uh, it was it was such an oddball moment and it just kind of left me scratching my head at the end of the match that they would even have put this match on but sure okay the bar have the championships again we kind of knew that uh, that they probably would and that uh, they but uh, by all accounts it seems like they're most likely going to be transitional champions mm-hmm. for another tag team 
Um, but we'll see because anything could happen. The bar obviously are, are very good as a tag team together. They've got a good storyline and everything like that. Um, they've made really they made the most out of the creative has nothing for you that they dealt with with getting paired up together in the first place. Um, and I also picked them to get the championships, and you did not. So <laughs> fair enough. But uh, but you return the favor in the next match. Yes. <laughs> as, uh, go ahead. As the Usos minus horrible jail bar graphics uh, defeated the team of Gable and Benjamin in two straight falls. And I expected the Usos to win. I did pick them. Uh, sort of the shocking aspect to me was that they went the two straight falls. I think in a way that booking sort of hurt this match because if you go back and look at the crowd reaction, that first fall, which was tremendous, there was a ton of great moves, ton of false finishes, uh, just some really great stuff in that first fall, but the crowd didn't give a shit because they were conditioned to know nothing was going to happen until that third fall, and they didn't get into it. And I thought that sort of took away from it a little bit. Um, but then to have them lose, and I'm a fan of Gable and Benjamin, I've said that on this show a bunch of times, to have them lose in two straight falls really sort of blew my mind that they did, like, why not just make it a one-fall match if you're going to do that? Uh, the only reason to make it a two-out-three-fall match is if you're going to go three, the third fall. Um, but having seen what I saw on SmackDown, it sort of made the picture a little more clear, and I had less of an issue with it. Um, yeah, for sure. Leading up to that first fall, so many near-fall near, near fall moments that I legitimately thought, okay, here it is, here's the first fall, here's the first fall, here's the first fall, and it kept not happening. Um, and then once that fall happened, it was such a wet fart for the second one that mm-hmm. it was just like, it's like, wait, it's over already? And it, yeah. was, such an, it was such an odd sequence that led to it as well. Uh, you know, the, the, the miss by, by Gable, and then all of a sudden the Usos got a splash, and then they won, and then they got out of there. And I was like, did did somebody in the back say we're going long? Go, you know, go go to go go to Broadway. What the fuck was going on on that one? It just it didn't make a lot of sense, and it definitely kind of makes it so there's no reason for America's greatest tag team to get another title shot. Well, and the second fall was was the the spot I believe, and correct me if I'm wrong, was an inside cradle. Yeah, and, and it was an inside cradle while Gable was sitting on the second rope watching yes. it instead of breaking yes. it up. It made Gable sort of look like an idiot. Yeah, it was it was definitely added. It, to me, it almost felt like there was a mistake that happened. Yeah, because it looked like a mistake. It looked like Gable was either supposed to break that up, or or something else was supposed to happen on there, and and it didn't. Yeah. So yeah, for to me for sure, it was like as soon as it happened, I'm like, what the fuck was Chad doing? <laughs> like he was right there. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I I didn't I don't know and. This was a match that I think both of us were really anticipating as being the the best match of the of yeah. the card too, because the Usos have put on some really good matches in in the past couple of pay per views here. And watching the first fall, they were well on their way. I just think oh yeah, the yeah. booking sort of failed them a little bit. Um, but speaking of things that were booked well for once, yep. the men's yeah, Royal Rumble. Yeah, so let's go into it. I'm going to go ahead and and give some Rumble stats here, and then we can talk about our favorite moments from it. Mm-hmm. Um, so the Iron Man of the Men's Royal Rumble was Finn Balor, lasting 57 minutes and 30 seconds, uh, a little shy of Rey Mysterio's record of, I think, 62 minutes, I think is the record. Yeah, that's, uh, that's going to lead to a big push on Raw. So, Oh, yeah, for sure. Uh, the, the shortest elimination, Sheamus at two seconds. Uh, so maybe a little payback for his Daniel Bryan match. 
Uh, not the shortest elimination ever. That's Santino Morella at one second. Uh, most eliminations, we did not have a powerhouse in this one because Finn Balor and Roman Reigns both had just four eliminations mm-hmm. to get the most eliminations. So kind of different that we didn't have the you know Reigns getting 12 eliminations or somebody getting a little bit closer to that. And, of course, the surprise entrance, Andrade Cien Almas uh, showed up, got one yep. elimination. Uh, Adam Cole, bye-bye, showed up, did not get an elimination. The Hurricane came in and got immediately eliminated by John Cena. And then probably the biggest surprise, Rey Mysterio showed up, did get one elimination before getting eliminated himself, um, and looking in phenomenal shape, by the way. Yeah. Now, you were kind of joking about a Rey Mysterio appearance. That, yes, that, I was. Uh, yeah. To me, I, I thought that was as good an appearance as they could have asked for from any legend. Like you said, he looked in tremendous shape. He looked very spry. He was moving around well. Um, and the crowd reaction was off the charts. Yeah. We're going to have vastly different things to talk about with the returning legend in this match and the returning <laughs> legend in the women's match. Um, we have several we'll, returning legends in the women's match. Yeah. And not and and most of them were spoiler alert not great. Uh, so let's let's talk about some different spots. I nobody uh, wrestled in the men's no, none of the legends in the men's match wrestled in a sweater and a bikini top though. So that is true. That is very true. Yeah. Um, <laughs> well, you know, I mean, it would have been nice. Uh, <laughs> so let's talk about some of our our favorite spots uh, in this or, or our favorite storylines. I for one, I'm going to steal it from you right off the bat. <laughs> Heath Slater. Yeah, definitely was my favorite moment of the Rumble. Slater, so uh, set it up a little bit. Baron Corbin gets eliminated, uh, throws a fucking conniption fit, beats the hell out of out of Balor, beats the hell out of Rusev, and then all of a sudden Heath Slater's music hits, and I'm like, oh, Heath Slater's in this match. And then it dawned on me, I was like, oh, he's totally getting fucked up because Baron Corbin bit him on the on the entry ramp and fucked him up. And then the next like six people in this match. Proceeded to all either kick him in the head, throw him down the down the rope. Yeah. Uh, Biggie decided to shove a bunch of pancakes in his mouth. It was the running gig of will he Slater ever get in this match? Yeah. Uh, this of course led to then Sheamus grabbing him, throwing him in, and he Slater actually got an elimination. He's the one who eliminated Sheamus after two seconds, and then is immediately thrown himself. Yeah. Yeah, I thought this was great. Now we see sort of these running gags whether it's the whole announce team sort of getting into the rumble which we've seen in the past there's always seems to be one running gag uh unlike years past this one didn't seem overdone it seemed to go on just long enough to be fun to maintain being funny and end right before it would have stopped being funny uh mm-hmm. so this was really really well put together i thought that was a great spot uh you left out the biggest moment of the rumble uh after uh, weeks and weeks of, of speculation after he walked out on the WWE. Dolph uh, Ziggler returned to the company. Yep. Yeah, that's about it. Yep. Yeah. He got he got he came in at number thirty and had zero eliminations. Like this was it. This was what that whole fucking thing was about. Yeah. He, he gave up the title and disappeared so that he could be surprised at number thirty, make zero fucking impact. Yep. And, and Make no no idea about what he, what was going on with the U.S. title. No appearance on SmackDown. Uh, so what the fuck were they thinking here? I really don't know because him coming in at thirty, I thought for sure. Okay, well, we'll we'll have him do a couple of things. Maybe have him be in the final four. Right. 
that didn't even happen. Yeah. Because, because yeah, he he goes in there. Oh, I'm sorry. He got one. He he did eliminate one person. He eliminated Goldust. Right. Uh, but he comes in at number thirty. He lasted two minutes. Mm. Two fucking minutes. Yep. That was the big storyline. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> no, I'm good with that. Um, couple other things that really is moments that really stood out to me. Uh, at one point, you had uh, I believe it was Finn Balor, Shinsuke Nakamura, and Roman Reigns in sort of a face-off with John Cena, Rey Mysterio, and Randy Orton as kind of like the old guard versus the young guys. I yeah. thought that was a great, great touch. Um, and then the the way they sort of booked this to play to the crowd in Philly, sort of knowing at this point how they were going to react and sort of getting the reactions they wanted rather than allowing the Philly fans to sort of hijack the show, uh, I thought was really well done on their part. Uh, they went with the winner that they knew. Uh, would be over. They had him eliminate a guy that they knew the crowd would shit all over. Mm-hmm. So, of course, by the time it got down to Roman Reigns and Nakamura, the crowd was just absolutely rabid to have Nakamura win so that Roman Reigns didn't win mm-hmm. again. Yep. Uh, and they so, so they picked the right guy to be the, the second guy in there with, uh, with Nakamura. Uh, the finish was great. Uh, Nakamura announcing afterwards, of course, that he's picked. To, he wants his, he wants to face AJ Styles at WrestleMania, which yep. was my wet dream match from last year for WrestleMania, if you recall. So we're going to get that this year. Looking forward to that. Uh, but yeah, and I've been the first one to shit all over the Royal Rumble in years past and recently, and I thought well deserved. This was booked beautifully. This was as good a Rumble as I can remember. Yeah, for sure. Um, we had some really good spots. Um, uh, you know, just just like you said, with the the new guard versus the old guard, John Cena playing heel for most of this. Um, them knowing that he's going to get booed anyways, so let's have him take out some of the guys that people really want to see. Um, you know, win this, so, or at least to good. Obviously, him taking out Finn Balor. They're like, well, you know, someone's got to do it, so let's make it the guy that they're going to boo anyways. Um, you know, him obviously. Uh, you know, taking out the hurricane was whatever. It's the hurricane. Uh, but yeah, like, that was a pop though. <clears throat> yeah, there was there was a See, pop. See, that was the other thing. Like th- in past years, they've forgotten to give us surprises, or they just haven't given us surprises, or it's just surprises nobody cares about. Like, God, I can't. I remember a couple years ago they had. Um, oh God, who was it? The surprise was just some. Yeah, he hacksaw Jim Duggan or something. Like, yeah, he's he's old. <clears throat> that that doesn't make it. This was a surprise, a guy we haven't seen, a guy we had have no reason to believe would be in this match, right? Uh, who was a great character. Uh, so, yeah, th- that was a great selection. I thought the use of surprises here was really well done. Right. You also had, you know, Andrade C. and Almas in this match lasting almost half an hour. Yep. Um, and putting on just a great fucking show, mm-hmm. uh, including getting rid of Kofi Kingston after Kofi uh, was saved by a, a plate of pancakes. Um, Adam Colbebe getting in this match uh, didn't do quite as well, but was able to kind of show off a little bit of, of, of his skills. And, and obviously, like we said, you know, the, the big one, Rey Mysterio at 27, uh, you know, he, he put on a really good match. He was able to get hit his 619 on a couple different people before Finn Balor eventually got rid of him. Uh, as of right now, this was a one-off appearance, um, but obviously Mysterio coming in for this, Kind of opens the door for him, you know. There, potentially, there, there are two empty spots in a certain tournament they got going uh-huh. on. I'm just saying. Yeah, for sure. Uh, Bray Wyatt and Matt Hardy first teaming up and then taking each other out in a really fucking bad spot. 
um, just did not look convincing at all. No. Um, the the um, the new new day all getting taken out in succession was kind of odd, mm. um, considering that you know the the way that they are normally booked as well. Well, I think uh, they sort of had to do that to get to the Kofi spot. Oh yeah, yeah. Because the uh, other two uh, guys had to be on the floor at ringside to sort of right. sling. And that was the other thing. That fucking vertical, even with assistance, was impressive by Kofi. Yeah. Um, and then, of course, uh, <laughs> poor fucking Ty Dillinger. Ugh. Yet again, was going to come in at, at number 10. They decided to have him get beat the shit out of. And then Sami Zayn takes his place. Mm-hmm. Which then, because it happened at number 10, I continued to think, well, when's Kevin Owens getting in this match? And they even had a couple of guys that I thought for sure Kevin Owens is going to beat the shit out of and take their spot, like Titus O'Neil and Apollo <laughs> Crews, uh, and even Goldust at the end there. And yeah. the whole time, I'm just like, I was like, why the fuck would you have one get in and not the other? Again, I think uh, that probably goes to Kevin's back issues. Yeah, yeah, and I understand that. Um, but yeah, there's obviously you know like i said there was there was a couple people on on the roster that uh, did not get put into this match and instead we got some other people that i thought definitely didn't belong in this match um you know there it, it's the rumble so obviously they have they have to fill out 30 people but all in all i thought it was a really good rumble um yeah. a, a far better one and obviously we're we're not even talking about the fact that the winner was shinsuke nakamura mm-hmm. um and he he was able to put on a great show. That. Yeah, we talked about it, but uh, we 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 kind of touched on it real real briefly, and then it was not the st- it's not the biggest story as it should. I be. said it was my wet dream match from last oh, year. Yeah. yeah, but obviously you know we that that whole time we were thinking in your head, well, they could they could have it go either way because it, it's not like they can't have Nakamura win the Elimination Chamber and. Not the elimination chamber, sorry, wrong paper for you. Win a qual- you know, win at fast lane to be the number one contender for AJ or whatever like that, right. and just set it up that way. So a lot of us were really worried, especially when it came down to you know Cena, <laughs> Nakamura, and Balor, and and Reigns. You're just like, oh shit, mm. they're gonna do it, aren't they? Uh, but they didn't. They turned around and actually gave Shinsuke Nakamura the win. And, and just like I said, just what big, big, big turnaround from last year. And I, and I love the fact that they uh, they didn't force Rey Mysterio to come out at number 30 again because that doesn't work out well for him in Philly. Uh, then it was on to our main event of the evening, probably the most hyped, most anticipated match going into this card. Some people bitching that it went on last uh, on social media. Those people can just fuck right off because yep. this was exactly where this should be in the card. Uh, and not only that, but this thing delivered like hell. Yeah, this was so I I had kind of uh, had it in my mind that as soon as I saw this, I'm like, I was like, well, we know there's only a, a, a select number of of women, and we actually lost one before the match after Alicia Fox broke her tailbone. Um, so the whole time, like, I was like, well, we're gonna have a shit ton of surprise entrance, and I don't know who it's gonna be fucking be. Uh, and it wound up being really good. Um, I'll give the Rumble stats here, then we'll we'll do the same thing again. So the Iron Woman in this match, Sasha Banks, mm-hmm. lasting 54 minutes and 46 seconds. Ironic that both the Iron Iron Man and Woman are a team on the Mixed Math Challenge. Yeah, yeah, very much so. Um, the shortest elimination was Vicky Guerrero, lasting just 57 seconds. Most eliminations was Michelle McCool. What? Excuse me. 57 seconds. Excuse me. Shut up. 
Uh, most eliminations, Michelle McCool, which I actually had a little problem with, um, but whatever. Uh, and then the list of surprise entrants is long, uh, and we'll we'll kind of touch on on all of them, uh, or we'd like to in our mind. Michelle McCool with five eliminations, Trish Stratus with three, Brie Bella with two, Lita with two, Molly Holly with one, Tori Wilson with one, Ember Moon, Kyrie Sane, Kelly Kelly. Beth Phoenix, Jacqueline, and Vicky Guerrero all with zero. Mm. Uh, a, a very... Uh, uh, it was really good. I, I, I enjoyed this a lot because they did, a, they did a lot to kind of pay homage to the women that have kind of paved the way for our current crop of women right. by having so many of the, the returning legends. Um, for a while there, it was like the returning legends were the only ones getting eliminated, getting eliminations but then they would themselves would be eliminated by one of the new stars. Um, so it really did a good job of kind of putting over a lot of the different people. Um, and, and like, like I, I kind of spoiled a little bit, we had varying levels of, <laughs> of in-ring ability of some of these women. Um, so obviously Tori Wilson came in looking fucking phenomenal. As she uh, always does. Yes. Yeah. And actually, you know, looked very competent in the ring. Molly Holly looked really good. Michelle McCool definitely, you know, still still had it. Then we had Kelly Kelly. Um, and she, she would be the one who wrestled in a sweater and a bikini top. Yes. She did not look that good. Well, she looked uh, good. Well, she looked good. Her in-ring was not good. Yeah. Uh, I was very, very disappointed. Lita looked god-awful in that ring. Um, See, I don't think she looked bad in the ring. I think that moonsault, she damn near broke her neck, though. She came very, yeah. very close. The moonsault was good. There was was not good. There was a lot of kind of missed spots, in my opinion. Uh, a little bit, little bit clunky. Um, you know, there there were there were some issues, obviously, with a lot of these women. It's tough because most of these women, as soon as they stopped working for WWE, stopped right. wrestling. Yeah, these so, girls aren't going out on the indies, like. Yeah. A uh, few exceptions there, obviously Molly Holly, you yeah. know, went on the Indies afterwards, and and she looked really good. Jacqueline, I was so fucking surprised by, with how well she 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 just looked, she it like like she hadn't fucking missed oh, yeah. a step. She's she's a fucking old, she's a lifer. That doesn't yeah. surprise me. Uh, Beth Phoenix also, uh, the Beth Phoenix spot with Natalia, it was what it was. I was just like, okay, whatever. Uh, it just goes to show you that Beth Phoenix is really fucking bad at rumbles. Um, <laughs> hey, she's. She, I thought it was a great line that she was the only one who's competed in a rumble before because she did yeah. that spot in the men's one. Uh, and if you listen to ENC's Pod of Awesomeness, which I regularly do, uh, and I encourage everyone else to too, uh, she was one of those people that, that said, you know, my kids were born sort of after I stopped doing this. They never got to see me do this live, uh, yeah. only on video. So this had to be a cool moment for her, for her kids to get to watch her. <laughs> yeah, very much so. Um, so you had kind of talked about the fact that the iconic girls were not used. Instead, mm-hmm. uh, we had Kyrie Sane, who it sounded like was a last-minute addition uh, after Alicia Fox hurt herself, yeah. and Ember Moon, who well, who, yes, we killed the night before. We killed the night before so much so that the poor girl had to come out there and sell an, an arm injury in the fucking rumble. Yeah. And and, I th- honestly, I thought they played it up well. She did a good job of selling it. They worked it into her elimination, which was good. Yeah. Um, 
but yeah, I, I think there are a lot of there, there were more NXT participants in the men's rumble than there were in the women's rumble, and we had way fewer women to fill those spots. Right. On the yeah. Yeah, and I understand. Obviously, you wanted to get some of the people, but I would have rather they rather they not use Vicky Guerrero for this. Right. Uh, that was another spot that definitely could have gone to someone who needed it. Right. Um, the rest of the people I thought were you know were just fine. Michelle McCool, um, you, you seem to take a little bit of umbrage with. I thought she was okay. She's another one of those girls who I think just achieved tremendous success in an era where the women in the WWE were not particularly good. She was yeah. one of those, the best of that bunch, um, her and Layla. But you match her up again with your, your Sasha Bankses and your Becky Lynches and, you, and you know. To me, the biggest problem with this, and I loved the Women's Rumble, to me my biggest problem with it was sort of the way things shook out. We ended up with Sasha and Becky, two of your best women, um, starting things off. So you sort of knew they weren't going to win. And then the rest mm. of the – there was they, they weren't able to really sort of – Becky, once she got eliminated early on or in the middle or whatever, uh, was unable to c- continue – and then two of the best women you have were sitting ringside watching in yep. Charlotte and Alexa Bliss, and that meant you got a lot more of these surprises. I didn't love the fact that both Bellas ended up in the final three. Yeah. Uh, I, I would have been fine with one or the other. I think putting them both in there was probably a little bit of a... Yeah, and we're going to talk later. Some of the women are not happy about what happened after the match. Um, oh well, we'll we'll get there. We got yeah, we'll get to that on the rumble. But none um, of them seem to have a problem with both Bree and Nikki, who haven't been active in the better part of, for the better part of a year, coming out and being in the final three. And to me, that was that, a, that was a bigger slap in the face to the women of today yeah. than what happened afterwards. Especially considering that neither Bella was on this week, and you're right. just like you're like okay, well. We gave we gave those spots to to those to the Bella twins, only to have them just not fucking show up the, this next week. And obviously they're not in the title picture at all. When you could have had a lot of different different things there. Um, I do think it's rather funny that the so the the two people that started the match for the men, uh, Rusev and Finn Balor, went 57 minutes and 30 minutes respectively. The two women that started for the the, the for the women's one, Sasha and Becky, went 54 minutes and 30 minutes respectively. So. Really fucking the same over there. Uh, and then obviously, you know, we had, um, during the match, we got a little bit of a taste of Absolution versus, uh, um, first the, the Riot family, which I, I enjoyed some of the different things that they had there. Um, we had Brie Turner, or Nikki turning on her sister in a, uh, obvious fucking spot, where the whole time just like, obviously she's gonna get knocked over because she hasn't gotten a fucking ring yet. Because she's just standing there like an idiot. Um, it took six people to get Nia Jax out of the match. Um, so she was able to get that kind of big show spot because she's essentially the big show of the division. Because she's um, fat. Because she's fat, yep. Yeah. Um, sort of like how we had Molly Holly do her spot because she's got a big ass. Yeah. Um, <laughs> consider, considering the fact that Lita definitely has uh, had to get a, uh, had to bump up the sizes of her pants a little bit. That's what my wife said when she came out. She's like, oh, it looks like Lita got the bigger pair of pants there was something weird i read regarding lita's attire um there was no thong no no there was a thong uh the the message oscar had had, a thong yeah the the message that she had written on on her shirt 
Oh, she, was, didn't she have like the names of the women who had passed away who couldn't be a part of the Rumble? No, it was it was a, a slogan. I don't remember what it was, but it, it's not important. Yeah. Um, so two things I had an issue with. One, the fucking crowd chanting the husbands of the women. Um, that always bugs me because just chant for the fucking woman. Right, agreed. Just chant, just chant for Michelle McCool. Don't yep. chant Undertaker. Right. We had an Undertaker chant. We had a John Cena chant. Daniel we Bryan. had we had the Daniel Bryan chant. Well, to, to be fair, for the sake of, uh, I'm not going to make it a habit of defending sort of the misogynistic nature of some of the crowds. Uh, Brie plays into the Daniel Bryan chant. Yes. She's doing yeah. the yes chants, etc. Yeah, I, I, I'll, I'll push her aside off of this one and focus more on the fact that we had an Undertaker chant for Michelle McCool and a John Cena chant for Nikki Bella. And an Edge Just, chant for Beth Phoenix. Yes, and an Edge chant for Beth Phoenix. Why? Why the fuck are you doing that? Because you don't are sit assholes. there. And, you don't sit there and chant Nikki Bella at John Cena. That's fucking ridiculous. Two, Stephanie McMahon was fucking god awful on commentary. Yes. Yeah, she, she contributed really nothing. She contributed nothing other than going. Oh, she's going over. Oh, she's getting eliminated. Did you know oh, that no, Mandy Rose can squat three hundred pounds? Yeah. So they tried to give her some <laughs> little some little things to say about each person. The only thing that she had redeemable was the fact that she said Beth Phoenix was in this rumble was in a rumble before. Yeah. But a lot of her other little things were so fucking terrible. And well, and, she, and then she totally no sold the huge event that occurred after the match. Yeah, very much so. Um, so I, all right, I think we're done talking about that. So I guess we can go ahead and talk about the ending of here. So Asuka does wind up winning the uh, the match. Once it got down to Asuka and the Bella Twins, I think we we everybody pretty much knew. Well, Asuka's clearly going right. over. Oh, I because... did like the finish spot though with Nikki on the ring apron. I thought that was a, it was well done, yeah, sort of was, creative and original. It was good, but Asuka did kind of miss the kick. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Although I also think if you're somebody who's had a bad neck, maybe getting pulled over the top rope backwards by your neck, yeah, uh, was not Oof. the smartest move. I felt that as well. I was like, okay, uh, but yeah. So Asuka's big moment kind of overshadowed. Once we had Ronda Rousey come out. Yes. Uh, so Ronda came out, did not have a mic, pointed at the WrestleMania sign. It sort of looked like she was looking at Charlotte, but then she went over and shook Stephanie's hand, thus kind of setting up Stephanie and Ronda. Well, she tried to shake Asuka's hand, and Asuka sort of slapped her away. Asuka did slap her head away, which I enjoyed. Yeah. Um, the, you know, we we clearly do not know what's going on here, right. and it doesn't sound like the WWE has everything set in stone yet. Um, I I get trying to do the big moment with Ronda, but I felt like you could have done it at a different time and let this be Asuka's moment, right? Because it really did well, take away from Asuka. And I sort of feel like we're going to get into that with one of our topics in our next segment, so we could probably hold off yeah. this discussion till then in the interest of sort of speeding things up a little bit. Okay. Well, uh, actually, we can go ahead and transition right into the Perfect Ten. The Perfect Ten! A ten! A ten! A fucking ten! Uh, yeah, so after the after you know the Ronda debut and after the, the Royal Rumble... A couple different women took to social media to maybe voice a little bit of frustration with the fact that every single goddamn article was about Ronda Rousey and not about the 30 women that made history. Uh, so Nia Jax, Nikki Bella, and Sasha Banks all publicly came out and had posts regarding Ronda Rousey being the topic instead of Asuka winning or there being a women's Royal Rumble. 
Yeah, all right. Allow me to be the one to just say fuck this. Um because this is petty as bull this is petty as shit to me. Um the entire fucking lead up to this Royal Rumble for months was the women's Royal Rumble. Mm-hmm. That was the selling point. So much so that we pushed the men's rumble to the point where we barely hyped it at all. Right. Um, it was all about the women's rumble. The, to their credit, they went out there and absolutely killed it. Um now, the every bit of press involving Ronda Rousey talked about how she debuted at the end of the Women's Royal Rumble. Right. Does the Women's Royal Rumble get mentioned on FS1 or ESPN or the Wall Street Journal or any of those stories if Ronda Rousey doesn't come out there? So her presence highlighted your accomplishment. Right. Um, to sit here and say that because... She didn't because she came out. It sort of took away from you. It to me is is very very short sighted, uh, and, and very sort of selfish. She just increased the interest in women's wrestling in your company exponentially. Right. The entire world wants to know what she's there to do, and instead you simply chose to use this as an opportunity to point out that you weren't getting enough attention for this. Right. See, I'm I'm one of those people that understands that sometimes you have to make little sacrifices in order to build up other things. Mm-hmm. And if you have to sacrifice, you know, by having Ronda come out at the end in order to get more eyes on the ending of that match in Asuka, as long, the ends justify the means. Just like we're going to have Ronda at WrestleMania and it's going to help get more eyes on the product, she's not going to be going for a title. Well, but that you we know, know of. That we know of right now. But you know what's going to happen? Those people that are tuning in to see Ronda at, at, at WrestleMania are going to see the rest of those matches as well. And maybe maybe that is enough for them to spark their interest and be like, oh, I like this Asuka chick. She's pretty fucking cool. Oh, I, I look at this. They've, they've got this women's match over here. You know, this Alexa Bliss chick. I like her. You know, sometimes you have to do these sorts of things in order to, you know, bring everything else around you to a, a bigger light. And yeah. Like you said, every one of the one of the things, yes, yes, it's a, the headline is Ronda Rousey. That's to get people to click on it. Once they read the article, and it says that Asuka won the champ, you know, the Royal Rumble came out there when Charlotte and Alexa, you know, all those people's names are still in that thing. Um, <clears throat> and I sort of expect that behavior from Nikki. Uh, I don't expect it as much from Sasha. Uh, Nia Jax is is pretty outspoken person, but I was a little surprised that 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 Sasha was one of the ones that actually brought this up too. Uh, just just considering kind of the way that she's reacted to things in the past, but um, we what we did not have was we did not have have Ronda Rousey come in there and win the first Women's Royal Rumble because that would have been worse. Yeah, had, probably. Yeah, we had somebody who's a. But we also wrestler. had a man win the first women's Money in the Bank match. So, well, <laughs> you know, the history book still says that that was Carmella. Um, well, but the, like I said, the, the biggest thing there is that we had a full-time wrestler win it. We have right now. It seems the plan is to have two full-time time women's wrestlers face two full-time women's wrestlers for women's championships at WrestleMania. So I don't see the issue here. I don't either. I think this is a lot of posturing and pettiness. Yeah. Uh, So, but that, you know, maybe that's just us. Maybe, maybe, you know, we're, we're just in our old age. We've kind of 
decided that we're not going to feed into a lot of that bullshit because you know we both kind of understand oh you know yeah ronda came out there and she said she's going to be a full-time wrestler and that makes sense that they would try to debut her in a big spot she's got a lot of you know appeal you got to remember that you know you know brock lesnar when he came over you know came back from ufc and everything like that or even when he debuted to begin with you know he was made a big deal right off the bat too and once he came back from ufc obviously he was you know he debuted in a big way uh any chance that they can get to get these people to to cross over and and get more eyes on the product great because you know what that means it means more money for the normal workers too because they get a little bit more of a cutback from from the, the buy rates they get more more fucking merchandise sold when people tune in for ronda rousey and go oh i also like this person i'm gonna buy her shirt too right you know yeah Nope, absolutely. And, and, you know, the other part of it is this is probably all part of uh, an angle that they're running because we do know that the WWE likes to book their women's storylines around the premise that bitches be crazy because that's how they book them. So that may just be their continuing influence on how they book their women. Right, exactly. Um, All right, so um, one of the news news articles, and we'll we'll hit on it really quickly here, Um, Jeremy Borash uh, those people who've watched Impact Wrestling, TNA, TBA, Global Force, know Jeremy Borash. Know he's been with that that company for a fucking decade since the beginning. He's a lifer. Yep. Uh, turned around and since he was released from Impact, signed with WWE, and he will be down in NXT. And uh, sounds like maybe also help out with 205 Live a little bit uh, in terms of. A little bit of booking, but also the production side of things. Yeah, he wasn't released. His contract just expired. In fact, he was in line to host a podcast show for uh, Impact that was planned to be coming up soon. Uh, told people he was visiting friends uh, in Philadelphia this weekend. It turns out he was actually there either interviewing or signing a deal or whatever. Um, this guy's very, very, very talented and very underrated. He's done... You name a job in the wrestling business, and he's done it for WCW. Um, what was that other crap one? World Wrestling All-Stars, whatever. Yeah. Uh, and now into Impact slash TNA. And he's done all these jobs well. Uh, there are a lot of people, including Matt Hardy, who give him a ton of credit for what the Broken Hardy's gimmick was able to accomplish in TNA. Uh, so we'll find out uh, how much impact he has, no pun intended, oh. on the WWE product once he sort of gets his hands in there. Uh, and gets to start making some moves, but it's a great opportunity for him, and then hopefully it helps improve the product. I guess that's all we can say. But congratulations to Jeremy Borish. Yeah, very much so. I think he kind of gets swept up in the blame that TNA gets um, when really he probably wasn't as much to blame as some of the other people that are kind of swept up in that, like the death of TNA stuff. Uh, you know, Hulk Hogan, Eric Bischoff, or uh, um, you know, uh, what's a, that fucking blowhard's name? I'm not even gonna say his name. Uh, you know, Bor- yeah, yeah, he gets kind of swept up in that just because he was on the roster when those yeah. guys were there as well. But it's it's hard to deal with the, those gigantic egos. So right. uh, more power to him. Uh, keeping it in the, in the uh, I still impact. maintain one of my proudest things in the wrestling business is that I've been blocked by Vince Russo for calling him out for being a homophobic piece that, of shit. That is true. That is a good. good that, that's a good one to have. Yeah. Um, speaking of former t- former Impact talent making their way over to WWE. Rockstar Spud debuted on 205 Who? Live with a new name. I, I didn't see Rockstar Spud on 205. The new 205 Live general manager is That's not Drake. Rockstar Spud. That's Drake Maverick. Well, you stepped all over it, but I was going Daniel to say Daniel Bryan it. fucking told me that was Drake Maverick. 
The new 205 Live GM is Drake Maverick. And his first order of business was to try to figure out what the fuck they're going to do with that title belt they have. And so he announced a tournament that will conclude at WrestleMania, or if, you know, things have happened in the past, will conclude in two weeks. Uh, a tournament to crown a new champion, 16 men. And let me look here. Uh, let me look at this 205 Live roster. Oh, look, there's 16 people on this roster. Well, that's great. Oh, well, well this guy's got his face broken, so he's out. Well, that's okay, because Roderick Strong will take his place. Okay. Um, oh, shit. Well, this guy's got a knee injury. Uh, well, who can we put in his place? Uh, shit. Um, ah, we'll figure it out later. Uh, <laughs> this guy got suspended for beating his wife. Oh, shit. Um, Although, to and, be fair, all charges against Rich Swan yes. were dismissed this week. I think we, uh, um, we should clear that up. Yeah. Oh, and this guy quit. Oh, so, okay, well, so we've got four open spots. Um, one of them was, was taken, like I said, by Roderick Strong. Uh, the other one by Taylor, Tyler Bate mm-hmm. uh, in a losing effort. So we have two open spots. And we have, because it's WWE, no tournament bracket, no, <laughs> no names announced for those two open spots. So I guess we'll find out who's going to take them soon. Uh, so obviously, you know, they, they've got some talent down in NXT that they could bring up for it. Only Lorcan is still employed somehow. Um, he's obviously one that you could throw in there. Uh, you know, you've got a couple of other guys. But you've also got the opportunity here that maybe this is where we bring Rey Mysterio back into the fold. I still think if they're bringing Rey Mysterio back, it's for a bigger role than this. Um, I will say... A bigger role than than winning the championship in this, this tournament? The championship of a division that nobody cares about in a show that nobody watches? Yeah. Some, but people will watch it if Rey Mysterio is on it. I, perhaps. I don't know. I, I guess it, ratings sort of went up with Enzo on there, and obviously Rey's got as much bigger cash yeah. uh, and as much less of a douchebag than Enzo. So yeah. uh, that... that Probably has some. I will say this: uh, I haven't watched 205 this week yet. Uh, I do plan to, which is a rarity for me. Um, but I will say this: I am intrigued by the possibility of the Roderick Strong Hideo Itami match. I think that could be could be really good. Yeah, I think that obviously Itami will probably go over, but I think that they oh, will. This is the one that's actually on the show. Yeah, yeah, because it's sort of has to show. But I think it'll be a really good match, like like you said. So. Uh, we'll, we'll we'll see what happens with that, and we'll keep you abreast with that in the coming weeks here. The other the the last big news. That well, we just do seven. Yeah, I'll get to clear this one out because we oh, yeah, going to do this I one quickly. Doing. Yep. Uh, the last big news article. If you want to go ahead and take number seven there. Yeah, it was announced this week that the latest inductee to the WWE Hall of Fame at WrestleMania weekend will be the Dudley Boys. Uh, damn Dudleys. <laughs> Absolutely fitting, these guys. Well, perhaps Bubba, not the nicest guy in the world from things that I've heard. Uh, I got blocked. What's that? I got blocked by him. There you go. Um, Well, again, personality notwithstanding, there's no denying the impact these guys have had in the world of professional wrestling, in the WWE and tag team wrestling. Of course, along with Edge and Christian, who I still contend should be in there as a tag team. Uh, And, of course, the Hardy Boys just revitalized tag team wrestling in the WWE. Uh, with some of the matches that they put on. Uh, so 100% deserved, 100% fitting, uh, and happy to see the Dudleys get the recognition they deserve by being inducted into the Hall of Fame. Yeah, very much so. Obviously, um, you know, we're, we're just missing one team. Um, and they're one team that is eligible, I should say. We're right. missing the two teams because the Hardy Boys are still active. 
Uh, but definitely, you know, how ENC are not in the Hall of Fame yet is... Well, Edges. Edges. Uh, but I think that Edge is going to be much like Ric Flair and being there, you know, as a two-time Hall of Famer because the the work he did as, uh, well, the nine-time tag team champions, there's no way that you can't put ENC in there eventually. Well, Ric Flair will end up with, like, three because, you know, Evolution will get in there. Oh, yeah. I think... Maybe yeah. once they buy TNA, Fortune will get in. <laughs> there you go. Uh, three live crew, two live crew, whatever the fuck they you were You gotta give him one the... Hall of Fame ring for all four fingers, so that when he yeah. does the symbol, he's got a Hall of Fame ring. That, that, that would be a great picture. There you go. Um, Alright, so moving right along to... Uh, yeah, let's talk about Raw. So, we had... Um, uh, Sasha Banks, who was the Iron Woman of the Royal Rumble, turned around and said that she was ready for Asuka. Mm-hmm. So Asuka and Sasha Banks um, put on a match, and my god, this was a really good match. It was. Uh, complete with, with several near-death experiences. Uh, <laughs> but before we get into the match, let me just talk about the opening promo for a quick second. Uh, first off, I, again, Stephanie McMahon... Uh, interjecting herself into a moment she didn't need to interject herself into. Uh, yeah. Introduces Asuka, which is certainly a job that any ring announcer could do. Oh, how the fuck did we not mention Maria Menounos' awful fucking ring announcing at the Royal Rumble? That was atrocious. Like If you if you haven't heard, if you haven't watched the Rumble, just go and watch the beginning of it, where Maria Menounos comes out, looks fucking lost as hell. Well, I JoJo comes out and gives us all the rules, does all the actual announcements, yeah. And then goes, and here's Maria Menounos to ring announce. So then Maria Menounos comes out and does this terrible announcer voice. Oh, where just yelling. she's like, yeah, just yelling. She's like, your first entrant, Sasha Banks. And it was like, what in the fuck is going on here? Yeah. Who gave this woman a mic? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was it was awful. Uh, and you had. I like, think she she ruined it at the end, too. When she announced she announced Asuka was the winner. Yeah. And you had a female ring announcer. Like yeah. JoJo was there. Well, and I So if you wanted to... someone with a vagina to be the ring announcer of this women's rumble, you already had it, and she knows what she's doing. And I I guarantee you Lillian Garcia would answer that call. Absolutely. How could you not have Lillian Garcia come out for this? Right. It just it made no fucking sense Ugh. to have Maria Menounos out there, yes. a chick who has one wrestling match to her 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 you know to her repertoire. Though she and did shit her pants in her one match, so she's that she's is on true. a a one hundred percent match to shitting your pants ratio. <laughs> there you go. Um, yeah, so getting back on track here. Uh, yeah, so some some very scary moments in this this Asuka Sasha Banks match. Um, you know, Sasha getting, <laughs> Sasha has a way of scorpioning herself. Uh, if you don't know what a scorpion is, is oh, when you, when you, when you land face first and your leg and your back legs go over the top of your yeah. head and hit the ground. She does that quite a bit in her matches and yeah. it freaks me out every fucking time it happens yeah. because I think that she's dead. Yes. Uh, that happened again in this one. <laughs> Uh, and it was well. In this was, case, I think it was because she the spot was for her to dive towards Oscar and Oscar to kick her in the face. Yeah. Uh, so I think in anticipation of stopping short enough to be there where Oscar's foot was going to be, she maybe 
clipped the rope or didn't get all the full extension yeah. she would normally get and ended up going straight down off of the kick face first into the fucking LED board around the yeah. ring. It it was not it was not pretty. Uh and it was scary because this this is a woman who's had quite far too many scary moments before and somehow has continued to stay healthy. I don't understand how she can do it. Um but yeah, Asuka still went over here, so her undefeated streak continues. Asuka um, took a nasty fucking bump in this match out to the floor, too, not long oh, after yeah. that. So both of these girls really almost died in this match. Yeah. Um, also, uh, what I was t- trying to get to when we got sidetracked by Maria Menounos, uh, let Asuka have her moment. She opened the show, uh, cut a promo in Japanese, which was yep. something they typically do not do. And fuck the Philly crowd for starting to chant what? They can all kiss my ass. Yep. Um, and then, although I, I would have thought maybe some sort of a translator, something where you could at least sort of get across to the crowd what she was saying would have been nice. Um, but then Sasha comes out, and Sasha, I can't, I can't even really convey appropriately how much of a difference there is in Sasha Banks when she's allowed to sort of play a little bit heelish. And have that mm-hmm. swagger and that attitude. It just is. It revitalizes that character, and I felt like that was what happened on Monday night. She came out. She played the boss. She was NXT Sasha on that night, uh, and I thought it was great. Yeah, we also saw it uh, during the Rumble too. Yeah. Uh, there was a couple different spots. You know, her her throwing out Bailey and kind of yelling at her, um, and and towards the end before she got thrown out, she was definitely playing it up that like this is my fucking time, this is my match, I'm gonna win this shit. So uh, good on her to to start kind of throwing those heel tendencies in there. Makes her character much better than the the ever since I was a little girl yes. that we've seen in the past. So yeah, and yeah. they used the uh, the intro intro promo between the two of them to, and I thought this was better. They much more subtly announced the. They didn't stop a match. They didn't have Stephanie come out and rally the girls around her. Mm. Uh, they just came out and said, "And at the next pay per view, we're going to have the first ever women's elimination chamber match." Right. Uh, we got no no participants for it yet. Um, but you know that's that's really fucking cool. Yeah. Um, I I think they'll do a really good job on this this match. And considering that Raw's only got like seven or eight women in it to begin with. Um, you know, the, the people that are actually going to be in it seem like pretty much a lock already. Yeah. Um, just one or two kind of get left out here. Um, I will, I will say that, uh, uh, um, my vote so far for episode title is sidetracked by Maria Menounos, but that's just me. Uh, <laughs> uh I was going to yeah, go so, with a hundred percent shitting pants ratio. Well, that, that works too. There's a couple <laughs> of good ones. Uh, but yeah, like you said, that the, we will have a women's elimination chamber match. Alexa Bliss, the only person that we really know so far, because it's for her championship, obviously. Um, I have to I would... spell Menounos to do yours. I don't know if that's right. Work. That's true. Yeah, um, I highly doubt doubt Asuka will be in this match, uh, but the rest of the women definitely will be. So um, you know, make of that what you will. It makes it kind of difficult to think that anyone other than Alexa is going to walk out of this as the winner, uh, because it seems like that's going to be the thing. But who knows? I mean. To me, the biggest positive of this match is that Alexa's actually going to fucking be in it. Because, at least on SmackDown, they sort of did a nice job of, of in the build to the Rumble, sort of keeping Charlotte involved and, and as a presence on the show. Whereas with Raw, they basically 
took Alexa off for like a month and said, "Hey, we're focusing on the Rumble. You're not in it. Fucking sorry." We'll yeah. <clears throat> and then and then now that the Rumble's over, I sort of figured we'd get something from her on Monday, and nothing. She wasn't on the show again. That's true. That's true. Um, and on the flip side of that, we did understood did find out that there will be a men's uh, elimination chamber match for the number one contender on who will face Brock Lesnar at WrestleMania. And we are doing that with um, matches to figure out who's going to be in it. So we had uh, Elias take on Matt Hardy, right? Yes. Yep. Uh, Bray Wyatt helped out on this one, but Elias got the win. So Elias is going to be in the Elimination Chamber, which I thought was really cool. Uh, Well, you know. Eh. You know. Uh, Braun Strowman faced off against Kane uh, and turned around and threw the entire Raw set on top of him uh, in order to get the win. And then John Cena took uh, took on Finn Balor. And because he's John Cena, they're like, well, we got to make him win, right? We definitely can't put we definitely can't put Finn Balor, the guy who just went almost an hour in a Royal Rumble in Elimination Chamber match. The guy we put over with DX the week before. That would be ludicrous. Yeah. So yeah. So John Cena, Elias, and Braun are the are three of the six members of the Elimination Chamber match, um, or no escape match if you're in Germany. Yeah. I don't know. Hey. That it's it's not even it's not even a bad joke because it's true. <laughs> they don't call it elimination chamber in Germany, so. Uh, so yeah, so uh, we'll, we'll, we'll for see. very good reason. For very good reasons. Yes. Uh, uh, so why we'll, would you want? Why would you want Finn Balor in that match when you can have yeah. Elias? I mean, really. It's true. That's you true. could have just had Elias and Cena close the loop from Raw 25 that you left open. Uh, had Cena win that, and then had Balor go over Matt Hardy, and and you'd have been a much better place for Illumination Chamber. Because I love Elias's gimmick. The problem for Elias comes when the bell rings. Right. Exactly. He. He's another one of those guys who, you know, could very well be just fine in the mid card, but um, he feel, he feels very much like when they threw Cesaro in this uh, mm-hmm. was it a year ago, two years ago, or whatever like yeah. that, where they're just like, we need fun, need six people, so here you go. Then again, Santino Morella got into one of these fucking things, so true, true. Um, also, I I could have sworn that uh, it seemed like they were heading towards a singles match between Elias and Cena, considering that that Cena was the one who eliminated Elias from the Rumble. And they've been obviously, you know, Elias kicking the shit out of him the week before, and instead they're just both in the elimination chamber. So, yeah, I, I don't fucking know. And somehow through all this, we're probably going to have to get to building a Cena versus Undertaker program. So I don't know what the fuck's going on. Yeah, that's true too. Um, so we got um, as as a sort of reset on everything, brand new graphics for both oh. Raw and SmackDown. <laughs> I wanna, I wanna end on a good note, man. So we got brand new, new graphics Ugh. for Raw and SmackDown. Raw wound up having some, some rather nice graphics. Um, a lot more shit coming across the screen and stuff like that, but um, doing just fine. And then we got around to SmackDown, and SmackDown left me with some questions. Uh, I was very happy that Shinsuke Nakamura was able to get out of the way of that giant rock star. That came flying across the oh, screen and just hit him. Um, yeah, so SmackDown now is just like, we're just going to scare you with shit now. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, you mentioned it before with the the penitentiary bars <laughs> coming down, which 
considering that one of those members just got popped for a DUI, maybe not the best imagery we would like to use for your one of your tag team champions. And I thought they cut a fantastic fucking promo there too, yeah. and it was really distracted and taken away from by that. Yeah. It's it's difficult because, you know, um when you watch the presentation of the mixed match challenge, they have really good graphics. The the big bar kind of going sideways across the screen to yeah. announce people stuff like that. I really like the presentation of that. SmackDown, and I don't know. I get that they were trying to be different from Raw, you know, but this whole like shit flying across the screen and it's it's really fucking weird to just like well, scroll Rockstar across Shinsuke Nakamura when he's making his entrance. Right. And then you had another one you didn't even mention was uh when Bobby Roode was cutting his promo or sorry, Bob Roode. Uh, was cutting his promo on Rusev uh, in the back. They had a calendar which had Rusev Day on it, which I thought was a really awesome touch. Uh, and then Bobby Roode circles it and says, you know, I'm going to defend the title on this day, and then proceeded to turn the calendar where he had circled Rusev Day into the O in glorious as he wrote across the days of the week. I thought that yeah. was great. I really love that. But then he pauses with, like, the pen in his hand, gives a shitty smile, and then all the graphics flood in yeah. around his face like it's a cheesy fucking 80s sitcom. It was awful. Yeah, it was I... just te- it was like somebody just fucking discovered Final Cut Pro and wanted to see all the cool effects they could do with it. Oh, for sure, man. It, it definitely feels that way. It's like um, they're trying to get their own identity, but it feels like... Uh, your like mid-level manager creating a PowerPoint presentation. <laughs> I'm just waiting for the Bludgeon Brothers entrance with like sheep jumping over the guys as they come out and shit. Like, if we're gonna do this, let's get really fucking weird with oh, it. Oh, let's... let's get super fucking weird. Yeah, let's let's make it that when the Bludgeon Brothers come out, two fucking giant hammers come and crush them. Yeah, they like. <laughs> just, and then the rest just... of the South Park guys show up and go, "Oh no, you killed Luke Luke yeah. Harper." <laughs> Uh, sorry, he's only Harper now. Yes, that's right. Sorry. Oh, that's what'll happen. They'll come out and it'll say Luke Harper and Eric Rowan, <laughs> the and the hammers, hammers will, the hammers will knock off their names. There you go. There we go. Now we got oh, it. Though. That's so gonna fucking happen. Oh my gosh. <sighs> I want it to be like when when the the epi, or when Primo and Epico finally decide to become healthy again, that they come out and like. Uh, the bottom of the screen just slowly comes up with like a pamphlet, and it's just Primo and Epico. <laughs> Come to Puerto Rico. Oh God, yeah. We if we're gonna if we're gonna go bad with the graphics, we gotta go super bad on purpose. Oh, we gotta go super bad. Yeah, yeah. We gotta make sure that when Sammy Sammy's in comes out, that like Woody Allen's face just slowly starts rising in the corner of the screen. In fact, allow me to introduce a new segment for next week, starting next week. All right. This is the moment where I'm going to talk so that way we don't have completely silent air. And uh, Jason is typing projected SmackDown graphics of the future. So we're going to uh, we'll do a little <laughs> work on that and bring you bring you some fun next week on that. Uh, but we're going to close out SmackDown here by talking about the thing that I was most worried about. When we found out that Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens are going to be teaming against teaming hey, with I, each other, I, we're not closing it out with that. There's still another. We're closing SmackDown out with that. Oh, oh okay. Sorry, I didn't hear SmackDown part. Um, <laughs> yeah. So um, it's I late, was worried. Man. I, oh no, I understand. 
I was worried that this was going to be the the uh, the beginning of the end for for Cammy, uh, and it turns out it was because eh. Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens had a uh, tag team match in which Sami Zayn left. Well. So. Um, which kind of odd considering that Sammy is the one who took the loss and then also fucked up in the Royal Rumble with zero eliminations. You think that Owens would be the one who'd be a little more upset about it. Um, but I don't know. Um, I don't really, I really don't want to see Owens and Sammy facing off against each other again. Um, because I think that there, a lot more can be mined out of them being a team. So I, I don't know. I'm, I'm a little torn on it. What are what are your thoughts on Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens potentially splitting? I, I don't think they're splitting. I think this is all going to be revealed to be part of a plan. Uh, I also did think it was a little weird that now all of a sudden Daniel Bryan is hardcore against them. There was no Daniel Bryan and Shane interaction on this show. Uh, everything was sort of weird. Uh, ultimately, I think they're, they're, I don't think this is the breakup angle. I think it's way too soon for that. Um, so I don't think that's where we're going with this. Okay. All right. Well, I gotta be wrong. I've been wrong plenty of times before. I just I don't see it. I think, I think Kevin's back. Like I said, is worse than than we think it is, or at least they think he needs a little take it easy for a little bit longer. Although he did work his ass off on SmackDown, um, but I think Sammy's gonna get this match with AJ because I really honestly do not need to or want to see another um, match between Kevin Owens and AJ Styles. They just I actually listened to a Talk Is Jericho podcast where he had on Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens. And all three of them just sort of came to the agreement, the consensus that there was just weirdly as good as both Styles and Owens are, the two just don't have any chemistry in the ring together, and the matches are sort of subpar. Yeah, I can see that. So I don't need to see that match again. I'd be perfectly. And from what I've seen in these brief snippets, Zayn and, and AJ have tremendous chemistry in there, and I'd like to see AJ get a shot at it. Yeah, I guess I'm sorry, that. Sammy. Sammy get a shot at it. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, you know. Obviously, Kevin's been a world champion in the past, so, uh, you know, it'd be nice to see Sammy kind of at least given some kind of title. Uh, I, for one, you know, still would like to see the two of them try to win the tag team belts over on SmackDown. It's a possibility. Um, we don't know what they've got planned for Mania. Yeah, but that's just me. Um, and the final bit of business here on, in the Perfect Ten, uh, week three of the Mixed Match Challenge as, um, well, you call them Ginger Snaps. I was going to call them something far worse. Uh, Sami Zayn and Becky Lynch took on... What were you going to call them? Oh, uh, I was going to call them the Flame Cratches, but that's just me. Took on Braun Strowman and Alexa Bliss. Now, I I wasn't concerned with this match. Um, I was was interested in it, for sure, to begin with. Uh, Then the match wound up delivering far better than I thought it would. Mm. Um, You had really good chemistry between all four of these people. Um, considering that none of them ever teamed up before or even really interacted with each other before, uh, it was really cool to see, you know, Sammy and Becky both both ska dancing on their way out. Yeah. Um, and then Alexa and and Braun don't, have been. Don't forget, been, don't forget yeah. Becky trying to force Sammy to high five the fans against his yeah. will. Yeah, there was there was a little bit of that. Um, you know, Braun Strowman, Alexa Bliss, Braun comes out and <laughs> raises his hand up in the air for a high five, and Alexa's like, "No, no, bring it down here." And then he does, and she's like, no, no, put it back up. And then proceeds to leap up and and give him a high five. Uh, The match itself uh, was rather interesting. The the women kind of dominated the match. They were were in there far more than than the other one. But it made sense why they were. I think you had to do it that way. Yeah. Um, A a really nice spot where 
uh, Becky tried to pin Alexa with, uh, you know, wrapping legs around her. And then they proceeded to roll around the ring for a bunch of times. Yep. So much so that Sammy was over there and he was just like, around they go, around they go. Yeah. Alexa gets up, she's all dizzy, almost takes Sami Zayn in, which I thought was really good. Yeah. Uh, and then her going over to Braun and saying, I'm letting her think she's winning, <laughs> I thought was really good too. Um, but uh, the, the uh, after Sami Zayn continued to try to run away from Braun, Braun finally grabs him and, and does a couple moves to him before uh, the match ends with Alexa Bliss hopping up on Braun's shoulders and doing the Twisted Bliss off the top of the man amongst men really good ending to this and really just a fun fucking match yeah and that and that like i said last week this this has been the overriding sort of theme to me with the mixed match challenge it's just that it's fun yeah. uh it's it, there's no storylines the characters are allowed freedom to just kind of go out there and have a good time with it uh and to me some of the best stuff with this match in particular was the the pre-match videos with braun and alexa that were i oh, thought were yeah. fantastic uh, Braun saying, I'm going to take you out for a training session and then tries to get her to flip a car. <laughs> yeah, very much so. <laughs> they they yeah. give each other shirts in their own size, and Alexa's wearing yeah. like this ridiculously large uh, Braun Strowman shirt, and he's trying desperately to get over a, a shirt uh-huh. that will fit on Alexa Bliss. Uh, that stuff was great. Uh, I caught the whiff that there was a little like flirtation sort of... It seemed that way. Yeah, there was a little something going on there at the end with Strowman and, and Alexa. Um, this team has legs. I, I, yeah. I, and I don't just mean Alexis. Um, I, I like this pairing. I really do. And I was a little skeptical at first, but these two personalities together yeah. without the confines of the overscripting and just sort of being allowed to go out and do what they want and get this over and have a good time with it, it really was fantastic. Yeah. This, this whole mixed match challenge really reminds me of either house shows or just, or just the fact that it seems to be non-canon. Yeah, because a lot of the times that while they're they're often still in character, they're also still not beholden to their character. Where right. you know Braun is not just like whoa, and I want to kill Sami Zayn. He's he seemed to be having fun toying with him, um, and then yeah, he just seemed to have fun. Even the the after match promo with the two of them, you know, kind of like you said, a little bit of flirtation there, but also just uh, just really, it was really good. Um, uh, and then we uh, we also found out that uh, Alicia Fox, obviously out with uh, with a broken ass, did get replaced by with Mandy Rose. Yes. So uh, the Golden Rose, as they call themselves in their 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 promo for the the coming week here, I thought this was probably going to be the first week I was going to skip because I didn't really want to see um, you know Jimmy and and Naomi against Goldust and Alicia Fox, but with the addition of Mandy Rose. I'm 100% for it. I'm I'm gonna be, I'm gonna be tuning in again. Um, and that that's not even to say the fact that you know we did have Charlotte and Bobby Roode um comment commenting on the side. Uh, you know, we'll see who they wind up bringing in for for next week's match. But all in all, yeah, I was I was uh I was really really happy with this, and I think that this has been a, a huge success in yeah. my opinion. Yep, agreed 100%. All right. Uh, so, uh, because of the fact that this episode is running so long and we have uh, continued to try to keep this rundown as kind of condensed as possible to make sure that you're not using all of your ba- your battery life on your phone just listening to us talk, uh, we're going to skip the indie dates this week. Um, needless to say, all of them are pretty much the same as last week. 
uh, with a couple of different things. Uh, go to the respective uh, websites to see some of the information there. Yeah, uh, but, just but, just real quick, I guess what we can do is, is sort of uh, anything this kind of like Saturday. I said this Saturday is Liberty States Wrestling, Johnny McCarthy Elementary School in Peabody. For more information, check out Liberty States Wrestling on Facebook. Uh, we have the NWL, the National Wrestling League, is going to be in Joplin, Missouri on Friday night, uh, February 3rd. Uh, that's, that's, that's Saturday. Saturday, sorry, February 3rd. Uh, for more information on that, you can check out nwleague.com. And I think that's all we have for this exact week. I think everything exactly. else we'll be able to get in next week. So yep. uh, go check yep. out those two this weekend if you're in any of those areas. Very much so. And, there you uh, go. I did a little justice to everybody, and we'll get back there. to it next week. There you go. There you go. Yeah, tune in next week to hear me say the La Pica Lounge. <laughs> um, but with that, that does it for the rundown for this Thursday, February 1st, 2018. Uh, it's been three hours since WWE tried to convince me that Nikki Bella and John Cena's relationship is on the rocks. Nobody Wait, did, believes that. Did nobody I miss, nobody did believes I miss something. What? what did I mean? miss something? What happened? <laughs> it's just that. That's that seems to be what's going to be the next season of Total Bellas, is that John Cena? Did you watch Total Divas, Troy? Uh, No, I saw uh, I I saw a preview for it. Um, Uh huh. Uh huh. I I do not watch that show. I do. I'm not gonna lie. I do. My wife does, and I watch it with. uh, Sadly, uh, I would probably watch it if I had time. I just don't have time. Sorry. (laughs) Uh, But yeah, head on over to Twitter. And like or follow us over there, Rundown Podcast. Uh, go to facebook.com slash rundown wrestling. Email the show at rundownwrestling at gmail.com. Um, you can be like Adam decided not to be this week and leave us a voicemail at 617 863 6967. That's 61 Rundown 7. Uh, we are now on Patreon. You can be like our two patrons that we have. And head on over to patreon.com slash rundown wrestling to become a patron. Currently, there are Two reward levels. The Rundown, or which are $5 a month, grants you one patron on the episode of The Rundown. The most recent episode, which was December's episode, even though it, you know, uh, just came out, was my first episode of Trail Rumble, where I reviewed the 1988 Royal Rumble, the very first match. Um, and you can also go, go to our second reward level, The run, uh, Rundown Mania, which for $10 a month grants you... Not only the one episode of Patreon on a month, or the one patron-only episode a month, but also gives you the ability to guest host on any of the rundown shows. All you need to do is have a working internet connection. With the we'll exception with of the sit-down. Yes. Not because yeah. not I don't love you guys, just because it's a little awkward for the, the guys I'm interviewing. Yeah, exactly. Uh, check out the Slasher Sanders family if you're a fan of horror. I will be returning Friday with a brand new episode where I will be reviewing Happy Death Day uh, from Netflix. Listen to our friends, the Kingpin, Brian Malonis, and Mike Crockett on the Wrestling Podcast about nothing with new podcasts every Monday. Go to Facebook.com slash TheWPAN or TheWPAN.com for more information. Check out our, our new friend Justin Michaels on his show Yesterday Than Waltz on Tough TV in primetime. Subscribe to the Rundown Wrestling Podcast to hear our other shows, NXT Revisited, which just came back. The Rundown Sit Down. WrestleMania Salvation, Glowstick, and the Nitro Mania Podcast. Follow our hosts on Twitter at jstewart0920 That's, that's S-T-U-A-R-T because that's not the common spelling. Oh, I'm sorry, yes. <laughs> uh, follow me at Rockstar Troy and follow Sal at Taz. 
Uh, thanks to all of you for listening. Thanks to Jason. Thanks, Greg. Thanks to everyone for, who voted for our brand new logo, which you will see now in your feed, as well as all of our social media but accounts. Why is there not a line in the front? I don't... Art. Uh, <laughs> and thanks again to Jason for our theme song. Next week, we bring you a brand new segment as well as more shit. <laughs> uh, I guess that's going to do it. So we'll uh, see you next Thursday. Bye-bye. Our... No, no, go ahead. Postcard. Oh, no, come on. No, no, now it's your thing. That's your shit. Oh, Jesus Christ. All right. <laughs> Well, goddamn, the Rundown Wrestling Podcast was created and subsequently abandoned by Adam Salzer and is produced and edited by Jason Stewart. This episode was hosted by some combination of myself and Jason Stewart. We are a member of the Questionable Endeavor Network, goddammit. Check out all of our other shows, including the other wrestling shows, the Raw Attitude Podcast, the New Blood Rising Podcast, who just finished their season to talk about The Undertaker. Check out our horror podcast, slash Sanitarium and Shadowbrain podcast, as well as the rest of our shows, Taco Tuesday, Words of Geekdom, Pwn Stars, The Reanimated Podcast, and Nerd Control at QuestionNetwork.com. And tune in next week for an all-new episode of the Rundown Wrestling Podcast, motherfucker. There.